0: Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. This is Wayne Freed. Uh, I'm standing in for Jonathan and George Lott. So last week, I I am so sorry that I shared with you something and didn't even give you the point. I was talking out of Revelation, uh, actually chapter 6, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I didn't tell you why I went through all four of those. We talked about the white horse and the the, the seals were open of the book. And when the first seal, Jesus opened the first seal, there was a white horse. And then the second seal, there was a, a red horse. And the third was a black horse. And the fourth was a green horse. And I never told you that those are the colors of the Iranian flag. And if you look on a map and you see all the surrounding areas around Israel, all these enemies, they have that same color in their flags. And, uh, this, this is the end time. If you want to know when Jesus is, is coming back and you want to find out what the Bible says about that coming of Jesus and when and how to get ready, then you'll find it when you look at Israel. Looking at Israel gives us um, the timetable. Do you, do you know that Jesus got angry with people because they didn't know the spiritual seasons? He, he just ripped them up, you know, and said, you you can tell by looking at the sky how the weather's going to be, but the signs of the time, you got no idea. You can read about that in Mark chapter 13, and also Zechariah chapter 14. Uh, that's the last chapter of Zechariah. It will amaze you uh, what that one short chapter has to say about the end times. And uh, in, in, in Luke 12, 56, Jesus said, um, you do not discern this time. You don't know uh, what this time is. You can find the coming of Jesus all the way back in Daniel, and he foretells the very day of his death. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, the Bible is so clear. There's no scripture that tells us exactly the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back, and the Bible makes that very plain. That's said more than once, and, um, but what we do know is the season And we can tell when Jesus is going to come back and touch the earth with his feet, we know that that will be at the end of the Battle of Armageddon. So that battle will take place um, in the Valley of Giddo over in Jerusalem. Uh, You know what? I haven't had my microphone in front of me. (laughs) sorry i hope you got that about the four horsemen in the sixth chapter of revelation uh the white and the red and the black and the green horses and the and the uh the terrible events that take place with that it's going to be the first half of the tribulation period there's seven years of tribulation that's the wrath of god poured out upon a christ rejecting uh world thank god that uh I was going to say, you and I are not Christ rejectors. Well, I don't know who all is listening, but it's very important that you are not a Christ rejector. You know, God treats a four-year-old differently than a 14-year-old and vice versa. So it's one thing. Uh, there's a scripture in 2 Peter 2.22, 2, um, uh, 2, excuse me, 2.22 and 23. It says, it's better to have never known the way of righteousness than to know it and turn from it so that tells us that you're you're more is required of a person who knows you're better off to be a blinded regular sinner when i talk about sinners sometimes i say are you talking about a regular sinner or christ rejecter are you talking about somebody who's never heard the truth or somebody who heard it and rejected it because there's a big difference in the degrees of punishment for that in in revelation chapter 20 the last verse verse 15 uh, even 14 and 15 it talks about uh, this, the people who weren't born again. Their names weren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they were punished according to their works. God judges people according to the fruit or the works of their life. Um, there are some people who are just plain evil. Now, I'm going to tell you something that might curl your hair a little bit, but I was listening. Someone sent me this. It was a 35-minute tape uh, from YouTube, Uh, from Howard Pittman. Howard Pittman was a a policeman. Uh, As a matter of fact, he was running for sheriff. This is back in 1979, uh, and not local here. I I think it was, I don't remember just where, but the southern states, uh, probably Louisiana. But anyway, he said uh, there were seven people running for sheriff. He was one of them, and he had like an aneurysm, and, and, and they put him in the ambulance, and he was 15 minutes out and during that 15 minutes he spent time with Jesus and and he tells the story and uh, he 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 dealt with that and, and and came up with how long there were 50,000 people went to hell during that f- 15 minutes and i I'm, i can't give you all the details of it and that's not what i'm here to do today but i want you to know that he said 97% of the people went to hell Jesus said straight at the gate this is Matthew 7 um 13 and 14 i believe straight as the gate narrows away a few there be that find it and that word few is what we're interpreting is how many is a few well unless the lord were to tell you nobody would really know so you have to make up your mind was that 97 percent of the world's population that went to hell one thing we know it's not going to be many because jesus said few few there be that find it And so I I want to tell you, you have to have a relationship with God. You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. Uh, Jesus said there's none good but but one, and that's God. So there really isn't any good people. That's why he said you must be born again. You have to have a new nature. Without the new nature, you couldn't exist in heaven any more than a fish could grow on a tree or any more than, you know, you could... uh, fly in the air like a bird with feathers it's not your nature or be a fish under the ocean you have to have the heavenly nature the the love nature god's nature in order to exist in heaven and that's why jesus said you must be born again except the man be converted and become his little children he will in no case enter into the kingdom of god it's not a matter of god being mad at you or not loving you it's a matter that you couldn't exist in there if you, you know how kids always want to take their pets to bed with them? Well, that's fine, but if, if your pet is a goldfish, you better keep him in the bowl, because if you take him out of the bowl out of his nature, then he'll die. And so you have to be born again. Everybody has the nature of the devil. You'll find that in Ephesians 2.2. 2. Ephesians 2.2. 2 and verse three it's actually verse three but you have to read two and three together to get the point that's being made don't take things out of its context um we we're all children of wrath even as others we have the nature of the devil uh jesus said in in john 8 44 year of your father the devil and the lust of your father you'll do and so he goes on talking about you have to have a new nature we're born with a sinful nature it passes from um uh, the birth of a child it passes down through and uh, so you have to be born again receive that new nature I want to come back to what I was saying about the seven seven horsemen Uh, I'm sorry there there are seven seals there are four horsemen Uh, that's where we're going to be very shortly and you say well I don't I don't believe in the rapture of the church okay then you really need to read it because you're going to see what is coming we're right on the edge of these four horsemen And then after that, see, there's seven seals. So the last one was, uh, the the fourth one was the green horse. After that, the fifth seals opened, and there were people that were martyred for the Lord. And then the sixth seal, down in verse 12, uh, talks about the uh, cosmic changes in the sky and so forth. And this is really not my message. I just wanted to tell you that when you look at um, the enemies of Israel— you're going to find that their flag is out there right now, today. And, and the flags came after the Bible was written. God foretold it was coming. So Jesus is coming, and when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, he's going to take over again as a man. Meanwhile, he's been gone for 2,000 years in heaven, living through his body of the church. And when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom and rule with a rod of iron for 1,000 years. Here on the earth. After that, Satan will be loosed again. You can read about all that in the 20th chapter of, of Revelation. It's only 15 verses. I really encourage you to do that. It's amazing when you read the Bible yourself, what you can find. You say, well, it's hard to understand. It's not the things about the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the things I do understand. Spend some time in your Bible. Jesus is coming, the Antichrist is going to be revealed in the middle of the seven year tribulation. The first three and a half years are found through those seven horsemen. And then in verse 11 of the sixth chapter of Revelation, we go into the great tribulation. That's when it's going to be so horrible. So many people are going to die. But a lot of people will also be saved. Now's the time to get your life right with the Lord, because God's not wanting to pour out his wrath upon his loving children, but upon a Christ-rejecting world. So he's going to take his children out. And there's many scriptures about that But I've got to take a break now So you're listening to Ask the Preacher And this is Wayne Freed We'll be right back Right after these words You're listening to Ask the Preacher A question and answer talk show With Pastor Wayne Freed Of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church Welcome back This is Wayne Freed Standing in for John Locke And my son Jonathan Freed. We were talking about the four horsemen of the Apocalypse in um, Revelation chapter 6 verses 1 through 11 talk about the first three and a half years of tribulation and the last part of that. On through uh, chapter 19 of the book of Revelation talks about the last three and a half years. goes into much detail. And all I wanted to do was show you that we are so close when these horsemen come. All the different things that are going to take place and the, the armies of the world, really, are going to gather together at the Battle of Armageddon to fight against Israel, and Jesus is going to come back. This is Acts 19, 11, um, and 12, and 13, where he comes back on a white horse and all the saints with him, and he, he, he stops the war. He destroys the enemies of Israel, and uh, all that is a, another... A deep subject that I don't want to get into the deep subject. I just want you to look at it in a simple way that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. And uh, he tells us in Mark 13, 28, and 29, Jesus is speaking and he says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So, in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father only. So he said, take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. But you also see that uh, in the first part of that passage, he says you may not know what time it is, but you know the season. He said you know that in verse 29, Um when you see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the door. We don't know the day or the hour, verse 32 says, but we know that it's right at the door. We see all the armies gathering around Israel. We see uh, people who came in Hamas and, and murdered babies, raped the women, killed little boys and girls. I mean, just killed, just horrible things. And even people in America... And, and people all over the world have taken the side of Hamas. They're against Israel. It's a spiritual thing. Folks, if somebody came in and killed your little babies and took a shovel and cut their heads off and raped your wife and, and maybe your mother or your daughter and your loved ones like this and destroyed, and then you side with the enemy that did that, where, where's your head? You know, I was telling you earlier about a guy... And I said, this is really strong stuff. His name was Howard Pittman. And um, when, when he went up before the Lord, he died in an ambulance on the way to the hospital, and several things happened. But he talked about being in a situation where they had a, a little baby, an 18-month baby put in a cage with uh, a cat, and the only way it could survive was eating the excrement well, of the cat. And... Um, and they, he said these people would put their cigarettes out on the feet of that child now why am i saying that because most people who are listening to me have never experienced true evil at its at at, at a high level they've never seen anything like that they can't even believe it's true they can't even they can't relate to it i'm telling you Like he said, it doesn't mean that the the person was raised wrong or he had bad family life, this kind of thing. Some people are just evil from birth. They are just full of the devil. And there is a place for them. There has to be a place of restraint to keep them away from the good people or you couldn't have what we call civilization. That's what happens when they remove the police and you have no one enforcing the laws. You lose your civilization. It's not civilized anymore. And so when the Battle of Armageddon takes place, and it's right around the corner, it could happen any time now, then um, Jesus is going to come back, and you and I need to be ready. He said in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, he said to Daniel, seal up the words of the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, for, for 4,000 years, about the fastest thing we had was a horse, People traveled in horse and buggies, stagecoaches and things. And today, uh, we have automobiles. and air- in, in 1896, they invented the automobile, the airplane, and the can- incandescent light bulb. Um, up to that time, we had oil, lamps, and candles. I'm telling you, we're in the last day. Many are run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Uh, last I heard, knowledge is doubling about once every four months. Uh we we really need to be aware that we're in the end time. I don't know of any Bible scholars. There may be some, but I don't know of any that don't a- a- accept the fact that we are in the end time. I mean, the very lot, last part of the end time. Um, Jesus is coming in three parts. OK, the coming of Jesus, he came as a little baby. Uh, he's coming in the rapture. His feet won't touch the earth, but he's coming in the rapture. And he's coming at the close of the Battle of Armageddon, where his feet will touch the earth, and uh, the mount will split in two, and he will take over the world and rule and reign with a rod of iron. So now, here's what I, I think is probably one of the most important things that you need to do uh, right now, and that is to find out about the integrity of God's Word. Is the Bible really true? You know, Jesus said in John twelve forty eight that he's going to judge us by the words that he spoke. And I hear people say things like, well, you know, the Bible's been translated and mistranslated and all that. And so we don't know what to believe. How can Jesus judge you by the words that he spoke if he wasn't big enough, able to keep the Bible from being mistranslated? Um, the Bible is like I said earlier. It's not the things about the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand. There, the, there's so many important things that are repeated over and over and over, and it's it's fairly simple. Also, in John fourteen twenty four, Jesus said, "You're going to be judged by His words." Also, and then Matthew five seventeen through nineteen, um, Jesus is saying, "Not one jot or tittle of Pass from the law till all be fulfilled." And then Galatians, listen to this. Galatians three sixteen says, "In one letter." he's talking about in his seed versus seeds and he makes a point out of that that in galatians 3 16 one letter he determines it by one letter and back to matthew 5 uh, 17 through 19 he says if you teach men that the word of god is not true or you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven and if you teach the word like you're supposed to you'll be called great the bible is the only way to receive faith Well, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. Uh, The number of the studio is area code 863-682-1430. And we'll be right back right after these words. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back. This is Wayne Freed. You know, I've had something on my heart for a while that I feel like is so vitally important, and that is that God's will for your life as a Christian, and of course if, if you're not a Christian, uh, he's not willing that any should perish, so he doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to go to hell. To go to hell. Uh, but his will for your life as a Christian is to grow, to grow up. His will for an acorn is to become an oak tree, okay? His will for a baby is to become an adult. His plan is that we grow up in Jesus and become just like Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in Romans eight twenty nine, 29, uh, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus wants you to grow up. To be like him. Now I, I want to share some scripture out of the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and it was speaking about Jesus, and and it says that um, he that ascended is the same also that descended first into the lower parts of the earth, and then it says he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill or fulfill all things, and and then it says he gave some gifts unto men. This is this. Uh, I want you to see these gifts that he gave. To mankind, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, so we gave the fivefold ministry gift, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help to equip or perfect the saints for the work of ministry, in other words, uh, Jesus had told us in john fourteen twelve that the works he did that we should do also, and so he wants us to do the same thing that Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit's our guide, our helper, and our teacher to teach us to do that. In um, John 16, 7, Jesus said, um, it's imperative for you that I go away, because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come, but if I go, I'll send him unto you. So he had told him he's leaving. They didn't want him to go, but he's saying, you don't understand. It's, it's so important that I go, because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And so you're better off to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you than you are to have Jesus breaking bread with you, walking down the road with you, talking to you, laughing with you, answering your questions. You're better off, he said, it's expedient for you that I go. It's to your benefit that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. See, everything Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit in in um. Uh, philippians 2 5 it says he emptied himself and came down to the earth and took on a body it says that in hebrews two fourteen and 15 too for as much as the children will partake as the flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had power of death and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage jesus took on a body so he could come and conquer the enemy the devil and so it's he's ruling through his people. Let's go back to Ephesians 4 13. Um, remember now, he just said in verse 11, he gave a, gifts unto men, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ. Now, that's what he wants to, these fivefold ministry gifts to do. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are supposed to train us to do the works of Jesus. Verse 13. Till, or we would say today until till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god in the greek that means exact full knowledge and, uh, un, and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man that means full grown unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. It means that you have a place in the body. And, and you may not be the eye. Maybe you're the foot. Maybe you're the little toe on the left foot of the body of Christ. But you're still over the devil because in chapter 1, verse um, 16, 17, 18, and 19, um, and, and he goes on. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So if, if you're a Christian, if you're in the body of Christ, then then you're still over the devil. The devil's under your feet. Jesus uh, has put all things under his feet, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. He, he's given us a name. God gave him a name uh, that's above every name. And you'll, you'll find out in Philippians 2, 9 and 10. And then he gave us the power of eternity to use that name. So he wants us to grow up. It's vitally important. That we become sons and not just little babies sucking on a nipple um the, the, jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law in galatians 3:13. but just like the children of israel when they went into the land of canaan they had to if you will fight the bees and milk the cows the land of milk and honey they had to go in and take their sword and fight the uh, enemies of uh, that were in canaan they they had to they said there's giants in the land uh, but but the people with faith, Caleb and Joshua said well, they're they're bread for us. And it's, as we'd say today it's a piece of cake. You know, we just came through the Red Sea. We, we 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 God is 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 on our side. We we can do this. But when they looked at it in the natural, they said they couldn't. The sons of God, not the little babies, but the sons of God, said, we can do this. All things are possible to him that believeth. And so Jesus paid the price, conquered the enemy and redeemed us from the curse of the law poverty sickness and spiritual death that's galatians three thirteen, and you'll find the curse of the law in matthew chapter 28 and if i think it's just so important that instead of running to the arm of flesh jeremiah seventeen five says cursed is the man that trusteth in the arm of flesh you should not be running to um the bank every time you need money and the doctor every time you need healing and and uh, to the counselor every time you have marital problems. We, we find in Third John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And the curse of the law is threefold. It's poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. You find that again in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. And so we have victory when we become sons, when we're led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 13 says if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, kill, like kill or deaden through fasting. If if we mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. For, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I think it's verse 19 that says uh, the whole world waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. God wants us to rise up and speak to the mountain, speak to the problem. Mark... uh, 11 23, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith therefore i say unto you verse 24 says therefore i say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you'll have them and then after that, in the next two verses, when you stand, pray you forgive if you have all against others Because if you don't forgive them, God won't forgive you That's all about growing up if, 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 if you're sick and you can't get healed, don't, don't run to the doctor Run to God and say, Lord, I'm missing it somewhere I'm failing to connect with my healing, help me If, if, if you're in poverty and you come to God and say, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm poor And I know that 2 Corinthians 8 9 says that uh, And we know the grace of our lord jesus christ and that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty he might be rich we know that jesus became sin so we could become saved he became sick so we could become well and he became poor so we could become rich so lord he took our place he became what we were so we could become what you are we need to grow up in jesus we need to grow up because hard times are coming you say well i believe in the rapture i believe i'm going to be caught up before that well I, I tell you this in a sense, but hard times are already here for a lot of people, and it's going to get worse, and it's probably going to get a lot worse before the rapture. And you need to grow up anyway. God put us on the earth for a person, if it purpose, if it wasn't, uh, if he if he just wanted you to get to heaven, he could just uh, when you get saved, we just knock you over the head with a lead pipe, and nope, up there you go. But he wants you to have time down here on the earth to learn how to walk in love. He gives us a whole lifetime to learn how to walk in love. Um, if, if you were to read Galatians 1, 5 and, and uh, Ephesians, I think it's uh, Ephesians 1, 5, 2. Anyway, I, these are scriptures that are coming to me, but I just don't have time to, to make a deep study out of it. But those say that we're uh, called to be adopted into the family of God, and the number one maturity thing is love. That's the thing we need to focus on is walking in love. Well, when we come back, I want to talk to you, Lord willing about seven stages of oppression, freedom from oppression, okay? And we'll be right back with Ask the Preacher right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question-and-answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, hello there. This is Wayne Freed standing in for John, uh, my son, and uh, George Locke. I want to talk to you about seven stages of oppression. I learned this from um, Lester Sumrall. There they were two people that particularly impacted my life. There were many. There were many. But, but these two stood out. And that was Kenneth E. Hagan, Sr. and Lester Sumrall. And he taught the seven stages of oppression. And I want you to know that the people today are much oppressed. In the church or out of the church? It seems like it's on the whole world. But the church should be growing up in Jesus, acting like sons of God, and casting down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That's Second Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. Now, I've struggled with this. My wife has struggled with this. We went through some depression, and one day I heard Keith Moore say, if you're living in america with so many people living on less than a dollar a day around the world but you're living in america and you're depressed he said it's nothing but the devil making you depressed because you're living in a great country now that hit me like a rock that i i i saw it i saw it i called my wife and i said i'm not going to be depressed anymore so i said you need to understand it's the devil he's the culprit and so when I resist him, he'll go to you. And when you resist him, he'll go to me. And and we saw that already. That's what had been happening. Husbands and wife fighting each other back and forth, back and forth, and have the same divorce rate as the world does. And but that's only because of a lack of knowledge or a lack of acting on the knowledge they have. They're not casting down things. They, they open their mouth and say things they shouldn't say, and, and it creates havoc. So... Uh, i would call my wife at work and say how you doing she's oh man i'm doing great today and i said yeah i know he's over here today so anyway learn about these seven stages of oppression i want to kind of move quickly because uh there's a lot to say in little time the devil is real and you better believe it first john 3 8 says for this purpose was the son of god manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil in Acts ten thirty eight it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. In John ten, 10 it says, The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have it more abundantly in ephesians 6 10 through 18 it says that we to put on the whole armor of god for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places in hebrews 2 14 and 15 it says for as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage if you look up in the greek the word destroy uh it, it doesn't mean annihilate uh the amplified says it might bring to naught and make of none effect the devil uh, uh rather translation says might paralyze the devil so it's not saying he annihilated him he doesn't exist it means he has no power over you unless you give it to him how do you give it to him well one way is through the words of your mouth another way is people his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge hosea uh four six now Number one is regression, number two is repression, number three is suppression, number four is depression, number five is oppression, number six is obsession, and number seven is possession. Now, let's go through them slowly. Again, that was regression, repression, suppression, depression, oppression, obsession, and possession. Starting again with number one, regression it's going backwards in spiritual force and power that's the first warning that negative powers are evident okay i'm not i'm not going to go too much further but o tape is is an acronym oh uh, well, i really don't have time for that but it, it, it it's we move from objection to tolerance to acceptance to participation and even enjoyment be not deceived god uh, evil communications corrupt good manners 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be careful who you hang around or you'll move into that O-tape, objection at first, but then you tolerate and then you accept and then you even participate and maybe even enjoy it. Number two, repression is to restrain from within. Takes away the joy and gladness of life. squelches our ability of release and expression. God wants you free. Uh, If enough Christians were repressed, Satan wouldn't have any opposition at all. Number three is suppression. It comes from without. It's a restraining or smothering of one's emotion originating from without. Maybe you go to work and you got a boss that hollers and yells and and just makes everybody cower and and cringe. Number four is depression. It's a broken spirit. It's a loss of hope. But I want to quote Keith Moore here and say, never, ever, 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 never, ever, under any circumstance, for any reason, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. It's always dishonoring to God. Number five, oppression. is to weigh one down with something he's not able to carry. The children of Israel were oppressed when they were slaves in Egypt. Number six, obsession. It's persistent preoccupation with an idea or emotion. Something like maybe perversion or a persecution complex. Hey, how about this one? Insecurity, jealousy, hatred, prejudice, being paranoid or full of lust. Number seven, possession under full control of the devil. Now, we don't see that as much here in America as we do in some other countries, but it's Satan. can, He can use the other person's voice. It's, uh, there's forms of insanity. You can see it sometimes in the eyes, but the most sure way is through spiritual discernment. If if um, in full possession, Satan couldn't Get a a, a demon possessed girl. I I don't have time to go into the details of it, but he couldn't even make her uh, take their own lives. So you always have free will. The devil can't take that from you. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Ask the Preacher. Have a great weekend. God bless you.